This is day 39 of our daily Bible reading. Today we will read chapter 36 of the book of Numbers, which will finish the book, and then we will read Deuteronomy chapters 1 through 3 and Psalm 39. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the multitude of blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you for the daily things that we take for granted. We recognize, Lord, that everything that we have is an act of grace. We are at your mercy, Lord, and we willingly come to your feet to listen and to learn what you have for us today. Please discipline us, Lord. Please cause us to have self-control and to give us a heart that is undivided. There are so many competing voices, Lord, but help us to recognize the voice of our shepherd, as you are the only one who is able to save us. Please help us to not place our trust in anything else other than your word. Please bless the reading of this word, in Jesus' name. Amen. And the heads of the fathers' households of the families of the sons of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, of the families of the sons of Joseph, came near and spoke before Moses and before the leaders, the heads of the fathers' households of the sons of Israel. And they said, The Lord commanded my Lord to give the land by lot to the sons of Israel as an inheritance. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of Zelophehad, our brother, to his daughters. But if they marry one of the sons of the other tribes of the sons of Israel, their inheritance will be withdrawn from the inheritance of our fathers and will be added to the inheritance of the tribe to which they belong. Thus it will be withdrawn from our allotted inheritance. When the jubilee of the sons of Israel comes, then their inheritance will be added to the inheritance of the tribe to which they belong. So their inheritance will be withdrawn from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. Then Moses commanded the sons of Israel according to the word of the Lord, saying, The tribe of the sons of Joseph are right in their statements. This is what the Lord has commanded concerning the daughters of Zelophehad, saying, Let them marry whom they wish, only they must marry within the family of the tribe of their father. Thus, no inheritance of the sons of Israel shall be transferred from tribe to tribe, for the sons of Israel shall each hold to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. Every daughter who comes into possession of an inheritance of any tribe of the sons of Israel shall be wife to one of the family of the tribe of her father, so that the sons of Israel each may possess the inheritance of his fathers. Thus, no inheritance shall be transferred from one tribe to another tribe. For the tribes of the sons of Israel shall each hold to his own inheritance. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, so the daughters of Zelophehad did. Mala, Tirza, Hogla, Milcah, and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, married their uncle's sons. They married those from the families of the sons of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained with the tribe of the family of their father. These are the commandments and the ordinances which the Lord commanded to the sons of Israel through Moses 
in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho. Congratulations on finishing the book of Numbers. We are now entering into the final of the five books of the law, and that is Deuteronomy. The title Deuteronomy, again, comes from the Greek Septuagint, and it means the second law giving. So in other words, this is the law being restated once more. But it begs the question, why does the law need to be restated yet again? Well, consider the setting of the people in Moses' time. They had been wandering the wilderness for 40 years, and when the law was first given to them, it was in the hearing of their fathers. The ones who went to the edge of the promised land did not trust God and ended up dying in the 40-year wandering. So the people that Moses will be addressing here is the next generation, the ones that did not perhaps hear it firsthand. And so before they go into the promised land, Moses is going to restate the law for the people once more, and he is going to do it in a style of like he is negotiating a treaty. He is going to appeal to these people that they will obey the Lord and do everything that he commands. Some of it will be things that we have read before, but there will be some new things and some new insights to things that we didn't see the first time. Deuteronomy is, of course, written by Moses, but there is only one section of Moses that remains in question whether or not he wrote it himself or not, and that is the very last chapter of this book. It might be a spoiler alert to some, but Moses is going to die at the end of Deuteronomy. So is it the case that Moses wrote his own death, or was it someone else? It was likely Joshua who wrote it, but we don't know this for sure. But what we do know is that the rest of the book was written by Moses, and even Jesus Christ himself quotes from it multiple times, and he calls it the Law of Moses. There are some very important verses in here, and so we need to pay attention to the ones that we come across and take them to heart. But without further delay, let's go ahead and begin. Deuteronomy chapters 1 through 3. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel across the Jordan in the wilderness in the Araba opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazaroth and Dizahab. It is eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the fortieth year, On the first day of the eleventh month, Moses spoke to the children of Israel, according to all that the Lord had commanded him to give to them, after he had defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and Adrei. Across the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb, saying, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and set your journey, and go to the hill country of the Amorites, and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country, and in the lowland, and in the Negev, and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites, and Lebanon, as far as the great river, 
the river Euphrates. See, I have placed the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to them and their descendants after them. I spoke to you at that time, saying, I am not able to bear the burden of you alone. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are this day like the stars of heaven in number. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousandfold more than you are and bless you, just as he has promised you. How can I alone bear the load and burden of you and your strife? Choose wise and discerning and experienced men from your tribes, and I will appoint them as your heads. You answered me and said, The thing which you have said to do is good. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and appointed them heads over you, leaders of thousands and of hundreds, of fifties and of tens, and officers for your tribes. Then I charged your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cases between your fellow countrymen, and judge righteously between a man and his fellow countrymen, or the alien who is with him. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not fear man, for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me and I will hear it. I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. Then we set out from Horeb, and went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, just as the Lord our God had commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. I said to you, You have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is about to give us. See, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has spoken to you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you approached me and said, Let us send men before us, that they may search out the land for us and bring back to us word of the way by which we should go up and the cities which we shall enter. The thing pleased me. And I took twelve of your men, one man from each tribe. They turned and went up into the hill country, and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. Then they took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought us back a report and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God is about to give us. Yet you were not willing to go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you grumbled in your tents, and said, Because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are bigger and taller than we. The cities are large and fortified to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of the Anakim there. Then I said to you, Do not be shocked, nor fear them. The Lord your God, who goes before you, 
will himself fight on your behalf, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as a man carries his son, in all the way which you have walked until you came to this place. But for all this, you did not trust the Lord your God, who goes before you on your way to seek out a place for you to encamp, in fire by night and a cloud by day, to show you the way in which you should go. Then the Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry and took an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and to him and to his sons I will give the land on which he has set foot, because he has followed the Lord fully. The Lord was angry with me also on your account, saying, Not even you shall enter there. Joshua the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter there. Encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones, who you said would become a prey, and your sons, who this day have no knowledge of good or evil, shall enter there, and I will give it to them, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn around and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. Then you said to me, We have sinned against the Lord, we will indeed go up and fight, just as the Lord our God commanded us. And every man of you girded on his weapons for war, and regarded it as easy to go up into the hill country. And the Lord said to me, Say to them, Do not go up, nor fight, for I am not among you. Otherwise you will be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you, but you would not listen. Instead, you rebelled against the command of the Lord, and acted presumptuously, and went up into the hill country. The Amorites who lived in that hill country came out against you, and chased you as bees do, and crushed you from Seir to Horma. Then you returned and wept before the Lord. But the Lord did not listen to your voice, nor give ear to you. So you remained in Kadesh many days, the days that you spent there. Then we turned and set out to the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me and circled Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north, and command the people, saying, You will pass through the territory of your brothers, the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not provoke them, for I will not give you any of their land even as little as a footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food from them with money, so that you may eat, and you shall also purchase water from them with money, so that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all that you have done. He has known your wanderings through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord your God has been with you, you have not lacked a thing. 
So we passed beyond our brothers, the sons of Esau, who lived in Seir, away from the Araba road, away from Elath, and from Ezion-Geber. And we turned and passed through by the way of the wilderness of Moab. Then the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab, nor provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given Ar to the sons of Lot as a possession. The Amim lived there formerly, a people as great, numerous, and tall as the Anakim. Like the Anakim, they were also regarded as Rephaim, but the Moabites call them Emim. The Horites formerly lived in Seir, but the sons of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them and settled in their land, just as Israel did to the land of their possessions, which the Lord gave to them. Now arise and cross over the brook Zered yourselves. So we crossed over the brook Zered. Now the time that it took for us to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the brook Zered was 38 years, until all the generation of the men of war perished from within the camp, as the Lord had sworn to them. Moreover, the hand of the Lord was against them, to destroy them from within the camp until they all perished. So it came about when all the men of war had finally perished from among the people that the Lord spoke to me, saying, Today you shall cross over Ar, the border of Moab. When you come opposite the sons of Ammon, do not harass them nor provoke them, for I will not give you any of the land of the sons of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot as a possession. It is also regarded as the land of the Rephaim, for Rephaim formerly lived in it, but the Ammonites called them Zamzumim, a people as great, numerous, and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them before them, and they dispossessed them and settled in their place, just as he did for the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites from before them. They dispossessed them and settled in their place even to this day. And the Avim, who lived in villages as far as Gaza, the Kafturim, who came from Kaftor, destroyed them and lived in their place. Arise, set out, and pass through the valley of Arnon. Look, I have given Sion the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land into your hand. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the peoples everywhere under the heavens, who, when they hear the report of you, will tremble and be in anguish because of you. So I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sion king of Heshbon with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will travel only on the highway. I will not turn aside to the right or to the left. You will sell me food for money so that I may eat, and give me water for money so that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot, just as the sons of Esau who live in Seir and the Moabites who live in Ar 
did for me, until I cross over the Jordan into the land which the Lord our God is giving to us. But Sion, king of Heshbon, was not willing for us to pass through his land. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate, in order to deliver him into your hand as he is today. The Lord said to me, See, I have begun to deliver Sion and his land over to you. Begin to occupy, that you may possess his land. Then Sion, with all his people, came out to meet us in battle at Jahaz. The Lord our God delivered him over to us, and we defeated him with his sons and all his people. So we captured all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men, women, and children of every city. We left no survivor. We only took the animals as our booty and the spoil of the cities which we had captured. From Error, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, and from the city which is in the valley, even to Gilead, there was no city that was too high for us. The Lord our God delivered all over to us. Only you did not go near to the land of the sons of Ammon, all along the river Jabbok and the cities of the hill country, and wherever the Lord our God had commanded us. Then we turned and went up the road to Bashan, and Og, king of Bashan, with all his people, came out to meet us in battle at Edrei. But the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have delivered him and all his people and his land into your hand, and you shall do to him just as you did to Sion, king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon. So the Lord our God delivered Og also, king of Bashan, with all his people into our hand, and we smote them until no survivor was left. We captured all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og and Bashan. All these were cities fortified with high walls, gates, and bars, besides a great many unwalled towns. We utterly destroyed them, as we did to Sion, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of every city. But all the animals and the spoil of the cities we took as our booty. Thus we took the land at that time from the hand of the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, from the valley of Arnon to Mount Hermon. Sidonians call Hermon Syrian, and the Amorites call it Senir. All the cities of the plateau, and all Gilead, and all Bashan, as far as Salika and Adrei, cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. For only Og, king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. Behold, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. It is in Rabbah of the sons of Ammon. Its length was nine cubits, and its width four cubits by ordinary cubit. So we took possession of this land at that time. From Eror, which is by the valley of Arnon, and half the hill country of Gilead and its cities, I gave to the Reubenites and to the Gadites. The rest of Gilead and all Bashan, the kingdom of Og, 
I gave to the half-tribe of Manasseh. All the region of Argob, concerning all Bashan, it is called the land of Rephaim. Jair, the son of Manasseh, took all the region of Argob as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Meacathites, and called it, that is, Bashan, after his own name, Havoth-Jair, as it is to this day. To Machir I gave Gilead. To the Reubenites and to the Gadites I gave from Gilead even as far as the valley of Arnon, the middle of the valley as a border, and as far as the river Jabbok, the border of the sons of Ammon. The Arabah also, with the Jordan as a border, from Chinnereth even as far as the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, at the foot of the slopes of Pisgah on the east. Then I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess it. All you valiant men shall cross over armed before your brothers, the sons of Israel. But your wives and your little ones and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock, shall remain in your cities which I have given you, until the Lord gives rest to your fellow countrymen as to you. And they shall also possess the land which the Lord your God will give them beyond the Jordan. Then you may return, every man to his possession, which I have given you. I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So the Lord shall do to all the kingdoms into which we are about to cross. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. I also pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Let me, I pray, cross over and see the fair land that is beyond the Jordan, that good hill country and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account, and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough! Speak to me no more of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah, and lift up your eyes to the west, and north, and south, and east, and see it with your eyes. For you shall not cross over this Jordan. But charge Joshua, and encourage him, and strengthen him for he shall go across at the head of this people, and he will give them as an inheritance the land which you will see. So we remained in the valley opposite Beth Peor. Psalm 39 For the choir director, for Jeduthun, a psalm of David. I said, I will guard my ways, that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle, while the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I refrained even from good, and my sorrow grew worse. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue, Lord, make me to know my end, and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, you have made my days as handbreadths, 
and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Silah. Surely every man walks about as a phantom. Surely they make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I have become mute. I do not open my mouth, because it is you who have done it. Remove your plague from me. Because of the opposition of your hand, I am perishing. With reproofs, you chasten a man for iniquity. You consume as a moth what is precious to him. Surely, every man is a mere breath. Selah. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner like all my fathers. Turn your gaze away from me, that I may smile again, before I depart and am no more. Congratulations on finishing another book of the Bible. We are now at the end of the Law of Moses. But let's briefly review what we read today and move on to the psalm. Like I said before, a lot of what we read today is a repeat of what we've already seen. So there should not be much to say about it that is new. In chapter 36 of Numbers, we have a situation that has come back again when it comes to the daughters of Zelophehad. If you recall these ladies, they were daughters of a man whose family line has essentially ended. There were no other males to carry on the family name, and their issue was that they weren't going to have an inheritance, and they were worried that because they were women, they wouldn't be able to participate in the same way the men did. So if you recall, a few chapters back, they worked out how the ladies were going to get a portion of the land according to the will of God. But then as they are distributing the land by lot, there came another issue. It didn't seem fair that the women were going to get a portion of the land and then go marry into other families. So they are from the tribe of Manasseh, right? But what if they married somebody from the tribe of Dan or the tribe of Judah? Would that land go to the tribe of Judah or the tribe of Dan? Or would it stay in the tribe of Manasseh? So they brought that before Moses, and Moses brought it before the Lord. And the Lord said that they had to marry within their own family, the tribe of Manasseh. And the main reason for that is because the land that belongs to the tribe of Manasseh is meant to stay in the tribe of Manasseh. There should be no distribution of property from one tribe to another. It is a perpetual inheritance that each tribe is supposed to get. So God answered their question on what to do in this situation, and they made it an overall law of inheritance for women. If we ever come across this situation again, the women are supposed to marry within their tribe. Then we come to the book of Deuteronomy, which again means the second telling of the law. Chapter 1 is mostly a history lesson, reminding the people where they came from and how they got to their current position. Chapter 2 
carries them even further into their history to the point where they defeated Og, the king of Bashan, and Sion, the Amorite king. And there are some details in here that we did not see before, primarily about the Rephaim, which again are giants. It says that Og, the king of Bashan, was a giant himself. And did you see what they said about his bed? Verse 11, For only Og, king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. Behold, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. So he slept on a slab of metal. Okay, It is in Rabbah of the sons of Ammon. Its length was nine cubits, and its width four cubits by ordinary cubits. Do you realize how big this bed is? Again, a cubit is roughly 18 inches, a foot and a half. So that would mean that the bed was 13 and a half feet long and six feet wide. That is a big bed for a big dude. So this just indicated how huge this man was. And one would understand better how the people were afraid of these giants when they spied out the land. But we should know by now that God is not restricted by obstacles like that. God's power is not limited because of the size of the people. And this is clear evidence right here. They fought Og and won, and it was a near flawless victory. So God is absolutely worthy of being trusted, and the people have nothing to worry about, and that's why God was angry with them. And so chapter 3 finishes up the history lesson, and there's also a portion here at the end where Moses is explaining how he pleaded with the Lord that he would change his mind about letting him go into the land. He wanted him to show his greatness and his strong hand, and he asked once again if he could cross over and see the land that he had been leading these people into. And at a surface level, that seems like a reasonable request. Lord, I know you're probably still mad at me about it, but is it possible that you can let me see this land? I've led these people for 40 years. I've done everything you've wanted. I messed up once. Could I please see the land? But he, of all people, should know that God does not change his mind. By changing your mind, that means you've made a mistake. And God is not a liar. So what does God say? He says, enough, speak to me no more of this matter. We're done talking about this, Moses. But he adds something here that is so wonderful. He tells him to go up to the top of Pisgah and to look in all directions and see the land that he has brought this people to. Now, we won't see this until the end of the book, but it says that he is able to see every single corner of Israel from that mountain. Now, geographically, that is impossible. So it is likely on the mountaintop that he showed him a vision or through some kind of spiritual sight, he was able to explore the land in great detail without actually having to go over there. So God did not change his mind, right? But God is also gracious, and he rewarded Moses with that. So he got to see the promised land to some degree, and he got to see what the people are going to inherit. And I love how God does this with him. God is firm in his stance, 
God is not going to repeat himself anymore, but then he shows this demonstration of his love for Moses, and I think it's so beautiful to see. Then we come to Psalm 39, and here David is asking God to help him accept the brevity of life. David is wrestling with how limited humans are, and how weak we are, and how prone to sin that we are. And we don't stand a chance in God's presence. His holiness is so great that it would just consume us. We would be utterly destroyed in his presence. That's why it says things like, You have made our days as handbreadths, and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. And that's as close to eternity as we can understand, because as finite creatures, we cannot understand infinity. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. That is how insignificant we are to God. That is how little we affect him. In other words, we don't affect him at all. No matter what we do, we can't do anything that will influence him in any way. His sovereign will is what dominates this universe. And what I find strange through the second half of the psalm is that he is asking God to stop chastening him. Please stop disciplining me. I feel the pressure and the weight of your discipline, and it's unpleasant. It is painful. I'm learning the lesson, Lord. Please spare my life. Help me to have joy in my salvation. And so often, in the sight of a holy God, we will be like David and remain silent because there is nothing to say. There is nothing that can justify us. There is nothing that we can say that is of a reasonable excuse for the silliness and the sin that we commit in our lives. There's nothing we can say in our defense. But praise God that we have an advocate. We have somebody who represents us before the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit, he has confirmed that we are his children and that he is our defense attorney in the kingdom of heaven. And this is a strange dynamic, isn't it? Because if we really step back and see a courtroom setting for heaven, God is the judge, he is the prosecutor, he is the defense attorney, and he is the jury. He is every aspect of that courtroom. If Satan was invited, he would be a witness against us, and Jesus is our defense attorney. Because at the end, no matter how poorly we performed as human beings, he will declare us righteous if we are indeed saved. That is not a license to sin. That is not an excuse to not obey God. But ultimately, our salvation is not in our control. And I'm glad it's not in our control. Because were it in our control, we would have lost it already. We are foolish creatures. And I cannot emphasize that enough. The problem with modern-day humanity is that they exalt the potential and ability of mankind to a level that it doesn't belong. And really, it's an illusion. We don't have the power and potential that we think we do. We elude ourselves into thinking that just because we were given dominion over this earth and that we were made in the image of God, that we can be God. And that is not the case. 
The Bible teaches directly against that philosophy. So just like David, humble yourself before the Lord today in prayer and in meditation of his word, that his chastening will be upon you, but that it would be tolerable. You will recognize what God is doing, but that it will not pressure you to the point of breaking. We have to understand in reality that God knows what you need. His discipline is bearable. It's not pleasant, I know that, but God knows what he's doing, and we have to trust him in this process. So don't resist his will. Do not resist his discipline. But recognize that we are very limited. Our lives are remarkably short. And the older I get, the more I feel it. 2023 was the shortest year in my life. And I think as I'm reaching 40, that it's just going to go downhill from there. So much like Moses says in Psalm 90, Pray that God can teach us to number our days, to take advantage of the time we have on this earth and not waste it. There are so many means of entertainment and distractions that purposely want to distract you and cause you to be ineffective. But we need to understand that we are called to a higher purpose. God has great plans for us, and we need to be active in pursuit of that. Our scripture to memorize today is along the same vein of remembering how finite we are. Psalm 39, verse 4. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.